morning. If you'd head back to your seats. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, worshiping together? Um, this morning we're back in our sermon series called Ten Words, focusing on the Ten Commandments um, and what God may be wanting to tell us today through those words. Uh, what, what's been interesting to me, actually, has been that God has told us as much about himself as, a, as he has talking about his own expectations of us. We kind of think that it's all about him telling us what we ought to be doing, and then we see all this information <laughs> about himself being shared. If you've missed any of the previous three sermons, I really would encourage you to go back and check out the YouTube or Spotify if you're more into the podcast type of thing. This really has been some rich stuff. Um, we've seen God describe himself. I mean, we get descriptions of God in in the Bible, um, but when he describes himself, I think it adds extra meaning, right? He describes himself as the one who saves, as the one who redeems, the one who is faithful, the one who is good and full of grace, who sees us, his people, as a treasure. Think about that. Who wants to have a relationship with us. He's not only here with us now, but has always been with us. He's always been with us along the way. Isn't this a God worth worshiping? Isn't this a God worth even giving our lives to to follow? Last time we got into the third commandment, and if you remember, the third commandment is, is not misusing his name, which, yes, it is talking about cursing to some degree, but there is a whole lot more there, right? If you were there listening to that one, we looked at the, I can't say the word specific, but the specific name that God didn't want us to misunderstand about him, right? He didn't want us to misrepresent his name, a name that he specifically wanted us to know him by, right? You remember the name? You guys remember? Yahweh. Very good. And Bible translators actually make sure that we know that this is the Hebrew name that they're talking about in the Bible when we're reading it, when, when they put it in all capital letters, right? So as you're reading through scriptures, or when you see Lord in all capital letters, you know that that was Yahweh, and that's what, what name he's talking about. And how does our God want us to know him? What does the name Yahweh signify? That's one thing that we were talking about last time. Again, he tells us over and over and over again in scripture. I think sometimes when we stick name, we want to go find a dictionary and look and see, well, yeah, Yahweh, uh, according to this scholar, means this or that, right? But God actually describes it for us in Scripture. One particular place is in Exodus 34 when the Ten Commandments are actually being reformed a second time, right, if you know the story. Well, verse 4 says, So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, and he went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him to do, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands, 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he stood there with him and proclaimed his name. Yahweh, right? The Lord. You see the all caps there? And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? He is compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, sin. Do you see the description that God wants us to to see him as? I mean, isn't that the most amazing description? In fact, if you start looking at God's conversations with his people from here on out in Scripture, he almost always starts with this, I am Yahweh your God. (laughs) I'm Yahweh your God. And then he tells them something, right? He's wanting to remind them who he is. Now, just a side note on this. I don't really give you the name Yahweh so that you will then call him Yahweh from here on out. I uh, just want to encourage you not to hyper-focus on the actual name. I think we sometimes get too wrapped up in that. The important part in this dis- discussion is really the description of himself that God gives us, right? What he's providing us. The truth is that God didn't, or Jesus didn't even call God the Father Yahweh. That's not the important part, Right? What is God saying here? I am the one who knows you. I'm the one who's always there. I'm the one that saves you, who desires a relationship with you. That is the God that he's describing about himself, right? So this version of God, this description of God that he's providing here, and believe me, there's all sorts of different versions of God, right? At least descriptions of God. We have some pretty crazy ideas about God. But, but this particular description of God Is this the way we present him to the world? Think about it. Is this the way we represent him to the world? Or do we misuse his name? Do we make him into something else? Do we provide a different description of God? I mean, this really is a big part of what the third commandment is all about, right? And let's not lose focus of the big picture here either. This this view of God, Yahweh, is also a big part of what the Ten Commandments is all about. In, in context, these ten rules are not just a list of rules. This, this is a covenant. This is a defining of the relationship between God and us, us and God, right? God and his people. If God is going to be our God, our Yahweh, the one who saves, the one who is good, all those things... If God's going to be that for us, our compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithful God, then we have a responsibility in this as well, to live into this. What does that look like? What does it look like to represent his name when it means that, to not misuse his name as God's people? I mean, we do carry his name, right? As God's people, his name's on our jersey, (laughs) right? Specifically Yahweh's people. That's what this list is all about. God is the creator. God is the designer. He knows how he intended us to live, not just so we might survive, but actually thrive, right? As a good and faithful God that we know him to be, we can trust that he is offering us a better way to live. Better than what we would normally do on our own, right? And so as his people, 
He gives this list to us to help us live the right way in the way that doesn't misuse his name, right? This list is not a punishment, right? You guys believe that? Remember the context. There's, this was written to the Israelites. They've, they escaped from slavery, thanks be to God, after 400 years as slaves, right? 400 years of being told what to do every step of every day, right? If you were them, wouldn't you be a little befuddled about what you would even do after being told what to do your whole life, right? They're looking for direction. How do you restart this life? How do you start living into all that you could be in, in God, all you were created to be as he designed us, right? This list, it's a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing of God, and there's no better proof of that than the commandment that we're going to look at this morning, the fourth commandment, right? The commandment I, I truly believe is a little bit misunderstood. This week's commandment deals with what is probably safe to say is something that we all struggle with, intentional rest. You know what we're talking about, right? Intentional rest. And you know what? God knows that we struggle with this, doesn't he? In sheer volume of words, this command is way longer than all the other nine. In fact, it's almost a third, if you count the words, adds up to almost a third of the whole Ten Commandments. Why is this command so long? <laughs> well, the truth is that the commandment itself is not all that long. God actually decided to include some commentary along with the command of why this commandment is so important, right? And it's worth pointing out that he does this for none of the other Ten Commandments. He only does it for this commandment right? The Sabbath is the only commandment with an explanation of why. And of course, I have to ask the question, why? Why does he offer us the explanation of why? Why would we need that? Could it be that this is the one <laughs> among all of them that we would maybe most easily skip? You think? Especially since the Israelites were former slaves. Think about it. They'd never had a day off in their life. How are they going to pull one off now? I mean, what do you even do? <laughs> right? They had no imagination for even what a day off might even entail. And so God <laughs> offers them some very specific instructions, right? So turn with me once again to Exodus chapter 20 where we find the Ten Commandments. Read with me Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 8. And we're going to read through the whole commandment, and then we'll come back through and, and kind of break it down, okay? So verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all of them that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So back to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's the command, right? Starts with a pretty interesting word, I think. Remember. Remember is actually the command. Remember. And what are we remembering? We're remembering the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day? (laughs) Well, the word Sabbath actually comes to us from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop, to cease, and desist, to rest from labor. So literally, remember, be mindful of the stop day, right? Of the stop day. (laughs) And since the word Sabbath is capitalized in the Sabbath day, right, it's actually talking about a particular work stoppage moment in history, right? We see that actually in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth to see all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what is being referred to here? Well, we're actually looking at the creation story, right? So look with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. We've heard that before, haven't we? We know something about the Sabbath, but how much do we really know about the Sabbath? Well, I just want to point out a few important things that this passage tells us, at least I think they're important, um, that God himself did. And because he did them is why it's important, right? That's what this whole Sabbath thing is about. God did it, so we should too. So let's just look really quickly here. What are some things that God did in this story? Well, first... And the one that we usually skip over when we're talking about Sabbath is that God worked. That's the first thing he did. He worked, didn't he? God worked for six days, putting this amazing creation together. I think, think again, that we sometimes only include the resting part when we look at God's example for our life, right? We got to rest right. That's what this whole thing's about. But, But work is also... Meaningful, isn't it? It's meaningful in the created order of things. He created. He worked. (laughs) And as we work, we honor him because we're doing what he did. In fact, we humans had a meaningful part of the whole creation story. Did you know that? Skip ahead to verse 15 in Genesis 2. It says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. Now, does that mean that that somehow mean that God took this human being and he made, it, made him his slave and made him do all this hard work? And No. <laughs> Remember the conversation we had with Jed Clampett last week? <laughs> it's actually a blessing to be a blessing, right? That's what we were talking about. We're blessed to do this work. We're blessed to be included in the work of God, right? We're blessed to be a blessing. Think about it. We were created, according to verse 15, to be co-laborers in God's creation. Isn't that cool? 
If you keep reading, God even brings the animals to man to name them. To name them. Let's not make work out to be the bad guy in this command, okay? <laughs> work is definitely part of this Sabbath command, isn't it? The second thing, though, that God himself did in the creation story, I think is really, really very important, and that is that God finished. <laughs> he finished his work. He didn't continue to tinker, never fully satisfied, right? Didn't keep working. <laughs> God finished. And what do we know about what he said about his creation when he was finished? What did he say about it? It's good, right? He liked it. I mean, do you see the importance of this? I know that some of you need to hear this, this part of the sermon this morning, okay? Finish. You can't rest until you're finished, right? You think that's true? Not true? Now, what word would describe someone who just can't finish, who just can't be satisfied, cannot rest? I mean, of course, we could come up with some really creative names for those people, right? But, but what would be the opposite of what we're trying to get accomplished here? They're not resting, so they're involved in restlessness. Restlessness. I really believe that this is what God's trying to get rid of with this command. Restlessness. When you are in a state of restlessness, where's your focus? In what is not finished, right? All you can see is what is not finished. And what are you not focused on? <laughs> Everything else, restlessness. You can't see good if it hits you in the face, right? Your focus is not on all that is good. It is on getting that done, right? Restlessness. In fact, there's a classic book by John Mark Comer. I don't know if any of you have read it. It's called The, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I truly believe, if you're taking notes, write this down, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You need to read this story, this book. Um, I just clicked completely out of my sermon. That's a problem. How did I do that? That was impressive. All right, back to the book. You need to read the book. Um, all people should read the book, but especially Christians. He offers some symptoms of what he calls hurry sickness. Hurry sickness, in which restlessness is actually one of those symptoms. Symptom, again, is not the actual disease. It's just a sign that you have that disease, right? Um, so as I read through this list, just, just this is a freebie. Take a little self-inventory as I give you some descriptions of the symptoms of hurry sickness. The first one is you notice in your life that you have irritability. <laughs> you ever ran across an irritable person before? You get mad, frustrated. You get annoyed way too easily. Irritability. If you have that in your life, it's a symptom, right? Second one, hypersensitivity. 
All it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings. You're hypersensitive. That's a symptom. <laughs> Workaholism or just nonstop activity. You know anyone that just can't stop? That's workaholism, right? You just don't know when to stop, or worse, you just can't stop. It's a symptom. <laughs> Emotional numbness. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you just, you just get to this point where you just don't even give a rip about someone else's feelings about their pain, maybe even about your own pain, right? Just numbness. You ever get there? Out of order priorities. You just feel disconnected with your identity, with your purpose in life, your calling. You're just kind of disconnected, out of, out of order. You have a lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics. You can't rest well. You don't sleep. You don't exercise. You don't eat well. You, you fill your life with stimulants. That <laughs> could describe me. <laughs> How about no margin? Lack of care for your body. The next one is escapist behavior. Behavior. When you're just too tired to do what's actually life-giving, what do you end up doing? We have our we have our distraction of choice, right? I'm not going to start listing that list. You've got your own list to figure out. I've got mine. You've got yours. But escapist behavior. Slip, slippage of spiritual disciplines is the next one. When you get over busy, um, the things that are truly life-giving for your soul are usually the first thing to go rather than to go to. Slippage of sp spiritual disciplines. The ninth one, ninth one is isolation. You just start getting away from people, from God. You feel disconnected from others. You feel disconnected from yourself sometimes, your own soul. And then the last one, restlessness. When you actually try to slow down, try to relax, but you can't. Restlessness. You give Sabbath a try, and you know what? You hate it. You hate it. Whoever came up with the whole Sabbath idea, they should be shot. That's God. So, um, I mean, you read Scripture, can't get anything out of it. It's boring. You, you try to have a quiet time with God. You just can't focus, right? It's restlessness. I mean, that's a pretty good list of symptoms for someone who has a few things not going their way, right? Good list of indicators that you have some things out of order, that you're stuck in some bad patterns, maybe more than one, one or two or three or four. And what is our normal approach to get ourselves out of these kind of conundrums? Well, of course, it's to work harder, right? All I got to do is put in a few more hours to get these things done, and then I can rest. I mean, isn't that a great idea? Just work more. <laughs> we think we can get more done working more hours. Good luck with that. Honestly, <laughs> I've tried it lots and lots of times. I'm speaking from experience this morning. <laughs> Back to the creation story. Let me, let me tell you the third thing that God himself did. On the seventh day, 
God rested from his work. God rested from his work. Do you see it? God rested. God rested, right? Oh, I, I know the whole Sabbath idea, but I have a really tough, tough job. And I just, there's no way I can have that, that much rest. I just can't do it. I just have too much to do. God rested. What do you think about his job? <laughs> God rested. Now, did God rest because he was weak? Is, is rest a sign that he isn't tough enough? If God himself can rest... Shouldn't we maybe be able to give ourselves some slack and rest? And finally, the fourth thing that God himself did, God blessed the Sabbath day, the stop day, right? He made it holy. Genesis 2, verse 3, it says, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on, on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I mean, think about this. We see God blessing all sorts of different things, but... God blessing a period of time? Isn't that odd? God blessed a day. Literal translation of holy, making it holy, is setting it apart from the other days, making it special, making it different from the other days. A stop day was to be different from all the other days. Now, when you think about it, there are some natural rhythms, repeating schedules that are just built into the very fabric of creation. Think about it. We eat every three to four hours, which means we probably go to the bathroom every three or four hours or so, right? There, we sleep. We got to sleep. Can't go more than 24 hours or you're, you're going to be damaging yourself. There's certain things that are just built into the very fabric of creation. There are seasons that are right to, to plant crops, there are seasons that are right to harvest crops. I mean, there's just natural rhythms that if you interrupt them, what happens? Not positive things, right? Things just don't go as well. God created one more rhythm that our world and our bodies need to function. We put, he put it right into the natural order of things. <laughs> based on himself, based on his work in creation, this thing we call, you know what we call it? We call it the week. It's called the week. God designed the week for us. Within this week, God designed us to work six of them, right? Six of them. There's nothing wrong with work, right? But he also knows how we can become hyper-focused with work that it can dominate our lives. We can even put our trust in work and, and the things that work does for us. It provides for us riches and things, and we start putting our hopes in those types of things, right? There are things that are helpful to get away from work, to discover and think about. He designed right into creation to spend one day of every week stopping, resting, reflecting on what in the world we're doing, 
refocusing on what we should be doing. Refocusing on Him, our trust in Him. As Exodus 20, verse 9 tells us, six days you shall labor and do all your work. That's six-sevenths of the time working, if you're counting. There's a time to be diligent, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a work stoppage. To the Lord your God, to Yahweh, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. That last part is kind of interesting, isn't it? Men don't rest at the expense of women. <laughs> Parents don't rest at the expense of their kids. Bosses don't rest at the expense of their employees. Isn't that what that's talking about? It's saying we all rest. We all need rest. No one's excluded. We take a break from work. And again, let's not get too legalistic about this. Jesus offers us some corrections in this. The Jews struggled mightily with this idea of Sabbath, right? In fact, maybe we don't all have to take the same 24-hour period of rest. Sometimes our animals do need us, right? There are things that need to be done. The important part in this is that the Sabbath is a day of rest ordained by God. It is in his top ten. I'll actually tell you, if you look through the list, that there's only one spiritual discipline in the list of the top ten. You don't see reading your Bible in the top ten. You don't see even praying in the top ten. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines that are not listed there. But the Sabbath is. Isn't that crazy? In fact, I truly believe that the Sabbath is, is because all those other things, that's when they happen, right? If we take the time, <laughs> it is important for our health, for our well-being. We need to take time off to stay healthy and focused. And if you need some more convincing, it's really interesting, just Google it. There's article after article after article after article on the importance of taking a day off. Not from the Bible, just confirming the Bible. <laughs> Researchers have proven it. That the Sabbath is a good thing. We do not function well without regular times of rest. And again, it's not just any rest. Remember that the command is actually to remember. Remember what? <laughs> the Shabbat. The day God finished, created, and he rested. He saw that it was good. In essence, what, what are we remembering? We're remembering that he's the creator and we are not. That everything we have comes from him. And not just from our hard work. I only worked a little harder. And the way we remember this is by making the day holy, setting it apart from the other days, doing as God did, and stop. Be satisfied. <laughs> Be grateful for what we have and rest. Are you getting the point yet? I think you are, right? 
mean, think about this. How does rest even help us? How, how does it help us remember? When we are in the thick of it, running and running and running and running, how easy is it to stop and think of God? Give him thanks? <laughs> it's almost as if he knew that we would be so easily sucked into the speed of life, right? Easily sucked into making for ourselves this, this better life if we would just, we just have to get beyond that horizon and just work a little harder. Honestly, when was the last time that you obeyed God's command and took a Sabbath? 24 hours. And I've been around a little while, not very long. But I know that there's some people out there that actually have some ill feelings about the Sabbath. Maybe they grew up in a home where you were not allowed to do anything fun on the Sabbath, right? You actually have some PTSD about the Sabbath. That's a real thing, right? For whatever reason, we tried to make rest and recharging and focusing on God something that wasn't fun or relaxing. How did we do that? And, and so when I have conversations with people about Sabbath, sometimes there's this pushback, and they, they sometimes say, well, Jesus fulfilled the law. We don't have to do that anymore. What do you think I'm talking about? I'm talking about a day off. How hard is this, right? We don't have to take a day off anymore? Is that what you're arguing for? You talk about it as like it's some kind of punishment, the Sabbath. And I would actually argue that Jesus did practice the Sabbath. And he practiced it really well, the way it was meant to be, not in in a legalistic way, but actually in a fulfilling way, a way that actually helps him fulfill the great commandment, fulfilling his love for God the Father, but also his love for humanity. You saw what he did on the Sabbath, right? Healing, taking care of people, taking a day not to work, but to make sure his life was focused on the right things, that our spiritual and even physical lives are in balance. How about our, even our important relationships, marriages? Aren't those important enough to tend to when we've gone out of this realm of work where we tend to neglect everything else? Isn't that a time that we really need to be investing in each other? getting caught up? I mean, we, seriously, we don't need to be Sabbath Nazis. Do you know that? The Jews have tried it. (laughs) Hasn't worked out for them. Don't forget that this command of God is not there to harm you. It's actually good for you. The Sabbath is more of a gift than a command. So open it. But again, I certainly know in my own life that it's easier said than done. How do we even begin? Well, I really think the first step has got to be trust. Trusting that God has our best interest in mind, even in this command. Do you think it's true that God has our best interest in mind to force us to rest 
What this means is that, that you're able to say, okay, God, you, you commanded that once a week I'm going to set aside work, and so instead of trying to finish this next thing, I'm going to go and relax. I'm going to go find some ways to, to refresh my soul. Worship. I'm going to take this command seriously and see what God really has in it for me. And then step two, don't try to figure out how to fit the Sabbath into your week. I think I've ran across quite a few people that have tried to do that. They, they look at their schedule. It's full. How do I get the Sabbath in there? <laughs> well, the truth is what you have to do is you have to start with the Sabbath. Start your week with the idea of rest. Just put it in there and then plan everything else around it. And you know what will happen? You know what Sabbath does for us if we will let it? It brings everything back to balance in our lives. It forces us to make God a priority. It forces us to make really good relationships that we have a priority. It forces us to make rest a priority. Think about it this way. The Sabbath gives us a finish line for the week. You know, if you're a runner, <laughs> you don't just run to run. Right? Is there anyone out there that just runs to run? I'm going to make fun of you right now. <laughs> what good is running to just to run? You always have to have a finish line, right? Otherwise, you're just crazy. I didn't even hear an amen to that. There's a bigger goal, right? The finish line. You're trying to get to the end of it. And I see you, Doug, over there. And you're, you're, you do have a goal still, right? It's to be healthy and enjoy your time running. I'm sure of that. There's a bigger goal, the finish line. And yes, we want to run that race the best we can, right? But we also want to finish. We got to be done. The finish line gives you a deadline in which everything for the weekly race will be finished one way or the other. And when you cross that finish line, the race is over. Don't keep trying to run it, right? You can celebrate a race well done. You can even think about how you might improve that race. But the race is over. You can't keep running it, right? The week is over. Get some rest. Replenish. Repair. You were designed for a six-day spurt and then a rest, right? That's what we're talking about. During the race, you were extra focused on the race. That's what we do. If you're trying to win that race, you've got to stay super focused. You're going to get this thing done. And now that you're outside of that race, you've got to spend some time fixing yourself from the damage that you caused while you were super focused on the work, right? That's what we're talking about. So step three in implementing a Sabbath, <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself. Yes, the Sabbath should be taken seriously. Yes, budget and plan your time to make the Sabbath a reality. But no, don't make the Sabbath another work project, right? You just killed it. <laughs> you are missing the point. 
Have you ever noticed that God doesn't define what work is and isn't when he's giving us this command? And this just killed the Jews. It killed them. What did they do from this, that point to today? They're saying, they're arguing about what's work and what's not work, right? That's all they do. <laughs> and they completely missed the point, right? It's not about work or not work. It's about resting. <laughs> make a plan, then make sure that you rest and worship, period. If you get the end of your Sabbath and you are rested, you're replenished, <laughs> You feel better, and you're feeling closer to God, and you've done an amazing job. You have achieved the goal, right? If you didn't make it there, you get another chance in seven days. <laughs> make a few adjustments. Figure it out. And in so doing, you are remembering the Sabbath. You are making it holy. You are separating it from the rest of the week. You are resting in him. Trusting in him. That you know what? When I come back from the Sabbath, the world isn't going to be blown up because I took a rest. Do we know that to be true? That God can handle it? <laughs> he can. Exodus 20, verse 8. One more time. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Are you ready to give it a try? I'm not looking at too many hopeful faces there. One last thing to think about. And I do have a finish line for this, by the way. <laughs> you guys are probably wondering about that. Will you just finish? Um, one last thing. And I really should have probably put this into a series because there's so much to talk about with this. So one last thing, one last thing, one more time. Ultimately, the Sabbath encourages us to cast our mind on the one who truly worked on our behalf, right? Doing all the work necessary to make us acceptable to God. And with that work being done, <laughs> we can truly rest, Right? All the best work is already done, and this should encourage us that it's okay to rest. And in so doing, we cast our minds forward to this great Sabbath day that we're going to enjoy together, right? In the world to come, when we will rest, we will worship in the presence of God. When we obey God's command to obey the Sabbath, we find that, that we have time to truly enjoy the work of Christ that is being done in us. And we have a chance to look forward to the life to come. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord God, I am so, so thankful for who you are to us. So, so thankful that there's a subscription, a description in Scripture of who you want to be to us. That you want a relationship with us. That you see us as a treasured part of your life. <laughs> treasured people. 
And you want us to be an example of what you truly desire for all people to be. Thank you for that responsibility, Lord. Thank you for that, including us in your work of blessing others. But ultimately, Lord, thank you for being our Savior, our Redeemer, our Helper, our Friend, our Lord, our King. It is in you that we hope and trust. Lord, we know that work is a natural part of the order of things. <laughs> and yet we tend to lose sight of your intentions for the week. Six days of work and then a day of rest. That is something that we struggle with. We trust, though, that your plans for us and rest are good for us, are helpful for us. We trust you with that. We trust that you are good and faithful and that the Sabbath even might help us to keep balance and focus on what's important and improve the relationships that we have with one another, loving our neighbor. Lord, would you just help us? We need your help in this. Would you help us to keep balance in our lives? Would you help us to keep focus on what is important? You. One another. Lord, would you help us? And we will give you all the praise, all, all the gratitude, Lord, if you will help us in this. Give us your discipline. Help, give us your strength. Help us to live into a life of rest in you. Jesus' wonderful name, amen. you stand with me as we close? Our benediction passage is from Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. People of God, we serve a great and loving and faithful and rescuing God who desires that we trust in his way for our lives which includes living into his rest. So this week, be thankful for the work that's been done for you in Christ and plan to finish the week. Plan to give him thanks that the week's over. Plan to have some rest and replenishment. Plan to have some worship at the end of this week. Would you lean into him, learn his ways, and may God bless you with his help in this as you trust in him. You are sent.